amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, what's going on, people? You're now locked into this notes podcast. I hope you've had a great week. Firstly, I would like you lot to make sure that you have taken in the midweek episode, episode 268, Inflation Doesn't Discriminate. And in this episode, I looked at how inflation is impacting people across the Atlantic, how inflation is impacting Americans, how the, the CPI, so the Consumer Price Index, the measurement of inflation, is very similar number to us here, how it's the highest since the 1980s, but how their inflation, although it is high, and some of the impacts are global, like how we are getting slapped by the war in Ukraine and Chinese lockdown and stuff like that, how theirs is also slightly different. So it's interesting to see the, the similarities and differences in inflation from Europe, the UK and the United States. But basically we're all getting rushed together. So I think that was an interesting episode. And I implore you to check it out so you can kind of understand inflation a bit more, understand how it's even beyond our government at this point in time. Now, you are now listening to episode 269. We're going to be talking about China and their mortgage crisis. But I want to make sure that the first time listeners, thank you for joining. We Here we talk about economics, current affairs, political issues, and just random stuff, trying to make information and news and learning all interesting and relevant to our everyday lives. So please follow or subscribe, depending on what streaming platform you listen to this. And if your streaming platform is on a mobile device, helpfully, Hopefully, you can help me by dropping a young five stars. And the most important thing, tell a friend to tell a friend. Share the podcast, hashtag it, put in your stories, all that good stuff if you can. But no biggie if you don't. The fact that you're listening anyway is a big, big appreciation. Now, as I said, episode 269, we are going the other side of the world. We're going eastwards to China. And this is super peak. The Chinese people are experiencing a mortgage crisis. Their housing bubble is about to burst like crazy. And this could be... 
in China a hundred times, according to some analysts, worse than the financial crisis in 2008, which took us a good eight years to recover. So to find out why China's in the mud and what has caused thousands of people to protest by refusing to pay their mortgages, you want to stay locked in. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. Because it's lit. It's lit. Yo, what's going on, people? You're now listening to episode 269. And we are talking the Chinese protest and why Chinese people are protesting. And the reason why is because their mortgage system is about to collapse. Yep, the housing market is about to go boom unless the Chinese government come in and pattern it up and then we have to see how it works. So what's the gist? Why is this news? Well, I'm not sure many people know this, but unlike here, most of the homes in China that are sold are actually sold before they're completed. Now, you may be thinking, wait, what does he mean by completed? Most of the homes are sold off plan. So see see how you might go in home viewings here. Oh, I like the windows. Mm, double glazing. Oh, floor to ceiling, I'm not too sure. The garden's a bit small. Oh, it's near school. All that type of stuff. Oh, the driveway. There's none of that. It's all off plan. Before a single, single piece of ground has been broken into, houses are sold for them. And because this also generates an important source of cash flow for developers, because now these people could go and develop loads of houses because they already got the cash from people purchasing the homes, right? China have recently cracked down on the high reliance on debt for growth for these companies, but we're going to get into that just a bit later. S&P economists, they estimate that a quarter of China's GDP is currently affected and it directly or indirectly by real estate. 30% of China's gross domestic product is real estate. So that means 30% of China's output of what China produces is related to their real estate market. In the last year, property sales in China, no, they said, no, sorry. This year, uh, analysts are claiming that property sales in China could fall by a third. That is a massive drop. The way you see news that, oh, this fell by 3%, 5% and that causes such big waves. Imagine a third, 33%. The government was initially preparing a bailout of 300 billion yuan, which is about $44 billion, but it might have to be a lot bigger than that. SMP, they're a rated agency, so they kind of they kind of give credit ratings to big institutions and countries, have concluded that a fall in sales will be twice as bad as forecasted. They think national property sales will drop between 28% and 33%. This is interesting because China's real estate sector is heavily in cahoots with the local government and the land use policy. This makes it very, very, very difficult to solve these issues quickly and promptly. The amount of residential floor space completed annually has actually not grown on average. Right? So this is a sneak peek into what, how significant this is. So I've detailed... $44 billion ready to drop, jump in in case things go left. Property sales have dropped, could drop by a third. I've spoken about the way things work in China, that most homes are actually sold before a single bit of ground has been broken into. Now let's get into the protest. Across almost 100 cities, protests have started in China. Now these protests initially started in, I wrote it down somewhere, 
Yangji residence. And this was towards the end of June, beginning of July, where about 900 of them made a desperate move as construction of their pre-sold Evergrande apartments had been stalled for more than a year. So Evergrande is the second largest property developer in China. So they wrote a letter that they said, listen, big man, yeah? You lot have not done this in over a year and we're paying. So guess what? We ain't paying. We're going to stop paying our mortgage until we, you resume construction. And obviously this got put on social media and then this started to spread that wildfire. So as I said, over in more than a hundred cities across China, people banded together to withhold payments on unfinished homes. Because remember I said they were pay they took up mortgages on homes that have not been done yet. Do you get it? So they're paying mortgages on homes that don't exist in the 3D world. Maybe they exist in NFT world or meta universe, but not in this three-dimensional world. This has, this has caused property suppliers to cease their bank loan repayments. Hundreds of landscapers, sculptor makers, and construction companies have expressed their anger that they've been bled dry because of, the, of these debt-saddled developers, developers not paying their bills. So people like Evergrande and other property developing companies, like obviously you have suppliers, like they, everything the property developer does is not in, in-house. They're going to get materials or get people to come and do bits and bobs. And these suppliers haven't been paid. So even, so for example, everybody has suppliers. Now, for example, I've worked, I've worked in law firms most of my life, right? The, a law firm's business is to sell their legal expertise, right? The lawyers, so think of Harvey, Spectre, Mike Ross, um, Jessica Pearson, all them people there, Rachel Zane. They sell their legal expertise. That's how, that's the money they receive. But they also have suppliers, right? Whether it be the electricity, whether it be the Wi-Fi, whether it be books, subscriptions, uh, chairs, water, coffee, those are suppliers. Every business has suppliers. And if you just if you're not paying suppliers, wait, what? So these people have also been angry, as well as the people who own these homes. Evergrande have now said, "Listen, you got me. I'm broke, baby. I'm broke." They're the second largest property developer in China in terms of sales. So they make the second most sales. In 2018, they were actually the biggest um, developing property developing company in China. They are ranked 122nd on the Fortune Global 500. So they are the by that metric, they are the 122nd biggest company in the bloody world with over 123,000 employees. This is a massive company that's basically saying, "Listen, we're broke." They have more than 400 billion dollars worth of liabilities so they're in the red by 400 billion other developers such as fantasia kaiser and sunak have also defaulted on bond payments earlier this year so these are also property development companies that have defaulted on payments they were meant to make now people are concerned about developers inability to finish housing products projects and this has of course ignited a world, uh, nationwide strike. So it's kind of like we're in a strike economy, the global economy days. People are striking in Portugal, Spain, France, England, America, now here, now China. Home buyers across the country are refusing to pay their mortgage until their homes are built. And good on them, You're, they're taking absolute mick. Absolute mick. I saw when I was doing my research that there, that there was like five, six buildings in Shanghai, they had to basically detonate and just basically burn them up because they haven't been, they haven't finished building them. And because they haven't finished building them, they left them for so long that there was issues, so they had to bring it down. Do you know how long they left them unfinished for? 20 years. 
two thirds of my lifetime. So as I said, this Wahala started towards the end of June, and now they have over in cross in over hundred different cities. There's about three hundred unfinished different projects where people are striking. Now, China's a banking regulator, right? People who keep banks in check. And their banking regulator is called the CBIRC, the China Banking and Insurance Regular Commission. They repeatedly ensured home buyers that, trust me, trust me, daddy, unfinished housing projects would be de delivered and encouraged banks to take social responsibilities to assist worthy housing, to assist, to assist worthy housing projects with funding. Telling banks, listen, don't worry, make sure you're assisting the patterned ones with some bread. But they were way too optimistic. Now, the CCP, which is the Chinese Communist Party. So every time I say CCP, that's the ruling party in China. That's like me saying the Tories, the Conservatives. So CCP might actually grant home buyers a mortgage holiday that will allow them to temporarily pause their repayments without incurring penalties to kind of keep the banking sector alive. This is very, very interesting because now the risk of the property section has shifted from the supply side factors to demand side factors. Mortgages are regarded as the safest asset for Chinese banks as they are often a quite good return. Um, ANZ estimates that 1.5 trillion yuan, so $220 billion of mortgage loans are related, are related to incomplete housing projects, which is around 4% of total outstanding mortgages. So imagine that $220 billion of mortgage loans are related to houses that have not even been built yet. Now, this is peak because this is leaving banks in China exposed to a serious, 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 serious payment. And this is the four big banks. So that's the Bank of China, Agricultural Bank of China, China Construction Bank and Industrial Commercial Bank of China. These are some of the most exposed banks. Market share of home sales held by developments have defaulted over the past 12 months at, at around 10 to 15%. So let me say that in a different order. So if you look at the market share of home sales that have been held by develop, developers that have defaulted, it's 15, 10 to 15%. This is very bad. Now, what has made this issue even worse? What has exacerbated this issue? Well, Rising COVID cases, which of course lead to periodic lockdowns, have hit sales and household incomes. Of course, people ain't buying houses when you're in a pandemic, you're in lockdown. And also people aren't earning as much during lockdown. So this leads to a decrease in demand for homes. Now, why this is interesting is because this stops the Ponzi scheme. And the Chinese real estate market is very Ponzi scheme-ish. And I'm, I want you to hold that thought because I'm going to get into that in detail later. You'll understand exactly what I mean. Property prices have fallen for 10 straight months. Imagine here, the property prices, the world would be on fire. Property market, as I said, accounts for 30% of China's GDP. And this is also bleeding into the real economy. Now, what the real, econ real economy is different, right? Because for, for I'm okay, cool. So if I, build, if I buy a house, right? Right, so if I put my money to buying a house, I've got together, let's say, a 50 grand deposit, taking it to the bank. I mean, taking it, got a loan from the bank. Now I've bought a house, right? 
that money isn't really circulated in the everyday economy because I've given the money to the bank. Now, if I, if I take 50 grand and spend it across 12 months in Asda, Tesco, Amazon, local local soup, um, local chip, fish and chip shop, Barbers, Selfridges, Westfield, Zara, um, going to the gym, phone bills, yeah? This money is going into businesses and businesses are using this money to also invest in, invest in more products, um, pay other people, pay staff members and produce more goods, which of course keeps the economy going because now the money I spent in Selfridges enables Selfridges to pay their staff and their staff, they use that money to go pay for groceries and bills and that keeps, that's, how, that's what we call the real economy, right? Housing doesn't really impact the real economy per se, but this issue they're saying is bleeding into the real everyday economy, which is very, very bad for China. Now, if you look at chi Chinese growth, China has been known to grow quite quickly over the years. But China's GDP growth in the second quarter of this year has slowed down to about 0.4%. And many economists have lowered their annual forecast to 3%. China, Chinese government said, yeah, we want 2022's growth to be 5.5%. Now people are thinking, mm, closer to 3%. Of course, it's not good. And what makes it even worse is, remember I was speaking about how it's bled into the real economy? China's joblessness rate amongst young people, those people aged between 16 and 24, had rose to two record highs, hitting 19.3% in June. So imagine, one in five of Chinese um, young people aged between 16 and 24 are unemployed. Very, very rough. Now, you know what the gist is. You know that why they're protesting. You know the impact on the economy. But why did it get this bad? And why did I describe the real estate sector in China as a Ponzi scheme? Well, from what I think, one thing I forgot to mention is that <laughs> the CCP have sent tanks out to kind of make sure the protests are, are watched. They've also been censoring heavily because they don't want it to spread. Okay, I'm gonna tell you why it's got so bad. First of all, $9 trillion worth of loans are in risk of default. Nine trillion, I'm sorry, nine trillion yuan, sorry, worth of loans are in risk of default. Some people believe this could be a hundred times worse than the 200, 2008 financial crisis, where the whole world got panned. This issue has been going on for decades because of the way the industry is and also the culture in China. People want to own homes in China. It has cultural significance. And it also had cultural significance in the UK, but starting to slow down because of how expensive it is, it is here. Families use um, home ownership to plan for retirement. Guys with real estate are seen as more attractive for marriage. Also, how much real estate you have is directly linked to your social status. So there's a lot of incentive for people across the economy with whatever you're young, old, in the middle, man, woman, married, non-married, to own a home. There's incentive. So that means there is high demand for real estate. And because prices keep rising very, 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 very quickly and consistently, the demand for them is even greater because not only do you get this social boost is good for, and, and um, social boost is also a good investment for the short term, medium term and long term we're looking at retirement. So this is very similar to what happened in 2008. Everybody were at a yard. Great investment, prices going up. This is a no brainer. 
generational wealth and all that man there. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The demand was so high, complexes were sent out before development even started. Even after they've been finished, some of these joints are still empty. So remember I said before, a lot of homes are sold before the developers even start any work. And even once they finish, these loads of these homes are empty because quite a lot of these homes are some people's second or third homes. Because of course they want to get on get in on the action. They want to, you know what I mean, be able to get rich and have things to pass down to their kids and whatnot, whatnot. Everyone was getting a real estate ladder. The firma was so bad that people are buying properties that haven't even been built yet. That haven't even started. That's how bad the firma was slapping people. And naturally, supply increased because think about it. If you're a property development company and then you said, okay, cool, I put up 10,000 apartments. The demand was so high, you sold all 10,000 before they even existed before you've even started building or hammering anything. Naturally, you're gonna to wanna to do more because you know that this is a revenue stream. Therefore, you're gonna scale up. So supply naturally increased drastically to meet the demand. More money was to be made. A lot of homes end up be sitting empty because people are trying to eat off the increase. Remember, I spoke about that in the UK. I spoke about that in the UK, that's happened in the UK. People are trying to eat off the increase in house prices. Other assets weren't as accessible to, to everyday Chinese people or the markets weren't as nearly as developed. So naturally, Chinese people went to the housing market. Chinese families, on average, 70% of their wealth is in real estate. 70%. So if this market crashes, people are flipping toast. Bear in mind, people have slapped their life savers into, into these homes. Evergrande, the second company, the second largest property development company I was talking about that are in the mud, their share price dropped by 80% this year alone. When in 2018, they were the biggest real estate company in China. Suppliers are angry with Evergrande and other companies over unpaid bills. I remember I spoke to you. So imagine, okay, let me give an example of a place where I worked. Yeah, I worked in this company, right? And one of my colleagues who's a bit, wasn't the wisest gentleman. In fact, he was pretty annoying. Um, we were the EMEA, EMEA region, yeah? So we're in the EMEA region. So the uh, office was head of the EMEA region. So we did a lot of the finance, the accounting and whatnot, whatnot for other cities, right? So for example, Paris is one of them. And bearing in mind, this is a financial, this is economic consultancy company, 
right? So the head consultants, the people around the company, are people that go out there to talk to the biggest companies in the world and they're making millions, right? So this, these are big, big people. Imagine this brother failed to pattern an invoice. The invoice was for Orange. Oh, what do, what, what, you think, who are Orange? Oh, the telecommunication company. Yep. They provided the, the, the Parisian office their telecommunications, so their Wi-Fi and their phone. What happens if you don't pay your bill, people, after a period of time after you've been warned? They cut the Rascot internet. They cut... Imagine a massive company bringing in millions a year, you've got no internet. The head, the, the head, the senior director, he lost it. He called our um, financial director and he was fuming. He came and he blasted my man. I was getting in like, boy, you're going to have to owe that bedroom. So this is why it's bad when suppliers don't get their bills paid. Because these also come, they also need the money to pay for their own bills and pay for their own stuff and invest in their, in their products and stuff like that. Do you get it? Now, here is how the Ponzi scheme works. We're going to use Evergrande because they are the, the biggest culprit. Evergrande would lease land from the local government to build houses because the local government owned the land. So the local government, remember I said uh, the local government, the governments are very heavily entwined, yeah? So the land that Evergrande will use to build, let's say, a uh, apartment complex with 100 flats in it, they will lease from the local government. So once they've leased this land, okay, cool, we've got this land. Now, Evergrande says, okay, for example, we're going to sell 100 flats in this land. And they will get this money for the whole last 100. Before they've even built anything, they've already sold. And because the market was so high, they'll sell out. People take mortgages out to buy houses that they hope to own in the future. Then, okay, cool. We're gonna we want to get this property out now, right? So Evergrande, they're saying they've got this prop, they've got this plot of land. Hundred flats are coming within X amount of time. We're gonna go to the bank. We're gonna make sure we get our shit patterned so we get there first, right? Now the issue is, instead of Evergrande using all this money from the flats they sold off plan. They, don't use, they didn't use this money to start any construction. They would just simply use this money to buy even more land from the local government to do this again and again and again and again. You see, that's a Ponzi scheme because they keep needing the people to buy these properties that don't exist yet to keep on getting, to buy in more land to get more money. To, to get, buy, get, so they buy more land to sell more houses that don't exist yet to get more money. Hence the Ponzi scheme. Now, people, you probably say, why did the government do anything about this? If it just happened here, who will we blame? We'll be like, Boris, why are we patting this up? Well, Boris, until September the, the 5th. Why are we patting this up? Well, the Chinese central government, the CCP, passed its responsibility to make sure things are patterned to the local governments. So this is like Boris like, saying, do you know what? When it comes to making sure that the property developers are behaving and where they're developing houses across London, it's going to be down to local councils to keep them in check. But the issue is these local governments are benefiting from the schemes. They're eating goods. 50% of total revenue from local governments came from property developers. So they have no incentive to stop these men doing what they're doing because they are making money. They're eating goods. Eventually, Ish started to hit the fan 
and the CCP woke up and got involved. So they started, they did this like two years ago. And they did this by introducing a free red lines policy. So this is a bit of like nerdy economics, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So at least you know that they tried to do something. Right. So basically, you have three lines, yeah? First line is 70% ceiling on debt to asset ratio after excluding advanced receipts. 100% cap to net debt ratio. 100% cap on short-term debt cash ratio. If you violate one of these lines, if you violate none of these lines, your debt can grow fine, up to 15%. How about it? It could grow. The amount of money you could owe could go up to 15%. We won't stress you. If, if you fail one of these lines, you can only go up to 10%. Two of these lines, your debt can only go to 5%. And if, all, if you're in violation of all three of these principles, your debt is not allowed to grow. Unfortunately, it was too late. The man them already mudded. Everybody's angry with Evergrande and all these other property developers. The government's angry with them for what they did. The people, the home buyers are angry with them because where are our houses? Suppliers ain't happy with them because of, yo, like, where's our Rust Club money? And of course, banks ain't happy with them because they're putting them in jeopardy. And it wasn't just Evergrande, the whole sector was doing this. This is a classic Ponzi scheme. The only way this could continue if the housing market kept on growing and growing and growing and growing. But remember, I said, it's been going down for the last 10 months. Pandemic slapped people. Did you get it? Chinese developers, they owe $5.3 trillion of debt. Now, what's happening currently? Well, the CCP is helping these real estate developers to survive moving on very slowly, keeping them afloat. It's, the situation is so bad that properties sold in 2019, damn near three years ago, have not even been built. And money from new sales that these companies are taking in aren't going into building these properties, they're going into paying off the liabilities, the big amount of money they own. And what makes it so bad is that when, these, when the everyday person, when the homeowners, the home buyers, ask, yo, why one for these developments? Why are there so many delays? They're made of excuses. And remember, this is, some of these things are holding people's life savings. Now, remember before, I said, this is what I said, they said they're not paying until construction restarts. But remember, I said construction is restarted because the money they get in is paying the money they owe. Now, remember, I said that this could be worse than the much, much, much astronomically worse than the current financial crisis. I'm going to get into that now. The reason why is if you look at the collateral to these loans, and the collateral is something pledged as a security for repayment of a loan. So to be forfeited in amount of default. So for example, if I borrow, I don't know, if I borrow a hundred grand from the free, um, free shots of tequila, so that's Marvin Taser and Keith shout them, man. If I borrow a hundred grand from them, they say, okay, cool, this, we will give you a hundred grand, but we need some collateral. I say, okay, cool. You, the collateral I give up is, in case I don't pay this, you lot can take my house, right? That's the collateral. So the reason why this issue is so much worse than the financial crisis in 2008 is that the collateral for these loans are houses that don't exist yet. Because remember, I said they haven't even built these houses. They're selling these houses before they even built. Whereas in 2008, where you saw the crash in America, which trickled down to, America, to the rest of the world, these houses were already built. So the banks could at least repossess the house and then 
they still have that asset on their balance sheet, right? Of course, you default on the loan, you're taking the house back, but we could potentially sell this house again, somebody. You can't sell something that doesn't exist. So this puts banks in big, big issue because they, if um, Evergrande just default and, and people continue not to pay the loans, there's no collateral to go and collect. They, they can't seize a home. The home doesn't exist. So the money they've borrowed out in these mortgages just vanishes. It's a humongous L. Now, why this is this peak is because banks operate on trust. We all have bank accounts. We put our money in bank accounts. I'm pretty sure many of my listeners, they trust my word, they trust my logic, they listen to me for news. But you lot ain't gonna put your life savings in my pocket for me to hold and give you um, interest rate on top of that. You don't trust me enough. But you trust Barclays, Natworth, Starling, Monzo, Santander, Lloyds. This is how banks work, right? I go to a bank, I deposit a thousand pounds. Banks don't actually have to keep the whole thousand pounds in their safes and their vaults. Depending on the country, you have a percentage that you have to keep. So let's say it's 10%, right? They can keep a hundred pounds of my thousand kept safe in their vaults, but the remaining 900, they, they use it to go and loan, loan out and do, and do business. That's how they make money. Because obviously, obviously when they're going to loan this money out, they're charging interest so they get money back. And this is why we trust our banks. But obviously, if the, if the loans, if the debts that the banks own are worthless, we ain't gonna trust the banks. You want our flipping money. So Chinese banks are losing trust. And what's making it mad is that, remember I said they're even limiting people's withdrawal. So it happened in Greece where they say you can only withdraw a particular amount on top of money a day or a month or a week or whatever. So if you're limiting the amount of money I could take from my own account, why should I trust you? That To me, that means that you're not very solvent. You don't have enough money to go around. This isn't very trustworthy. And what happens when pe we don't trust banks? Bank runs. What's a bank run? This is where a larger number of customers of a bank withdraw their money, so withdraw their deposits at the same time, simultaneously over concerns of the bank solvency. So remember Northern Rock? 2008 financial crisis when people queuing out of Northern Rock trying to get their money out because they didn't trust the banks. So if you hear that the banks might not have enough money, you're not going to sit there and wait for them to collapse all your money. You're going to want to take your money out before it goes tits up. Same way that happened to um, certain cryptocurrencies. Um, I spoke about Terra Luna. When people heard that Terra Luna was going down, they weren't waiting for the, the hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands, hundred thousand million, whatever amount of money they put into that currency to go to zero. They're trying to get rid of it. It was a run on the cryptocurrency. And guess what happened? It finished cryptocurrency. And that's what finished a bank. If we, all, if we all take out our deposits, banks can't operate. Now, how does this impact China's economy as a whole? Well, China's muddied because they, they rely both heavily on the banking sector, the financial institutions, as well as the real estate sector. Remember, I said the real estate, real estate sector accounts for 30% of their output. And if you look at the biggest companies in China, 70% of them are financial institutions. So they can't afford for both of these institutions to go kaboom. Now it's got to a point where CCP are considerably injecting, uh, considering injecting more than a trillion dollars, more than a thousand 
1,000 billion dollars into the real estate sector so they can to enable these stupid, greedy-ass property development companies to actually finish constructions. Because if they don't finish these constructions, it's going to be peak. This Why this is so interesting is because last year, when... Um, because what started this whole... I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but what started um, this whole issue was last year, one of Evergrande's cons- uh, subsidiary companies um, didn't pay one of their loans. And this is what perked up people's ears. And then people started to deep in, look in, look in, and they realised, wait a minute, this is what these men are doing. So when that happened last year, the CCP were like, bro, we ain't bailing you niggas out. Because if we do, we're just promoting risky business. And we don't want to promote risky business. And I fully understand that. But now they're seeing that this can completely bamboozle the economy and it's looking like they're not going to let that happen. Now, we know about the Ponzi scheme that is the Chinese um, housing market. And we know how deep this is impacted people in China. We know about the protests. We know about how dangerous this is for the banking sector and whatnot, whatnot. How does this impact us, us here in the UK and in Europe? Well, China, of course, is the world's second largest economy in the world with deep global trade and links and financial links. And we've seen how China going to lockdown has impacted supply chains. That's why loads of stuff is more expensive. Fitch ratings, or another credit agency that rate um, institutions and sovereign sovereign, um, countries, claim that the the defaults could bear serious social and economic implications. And the Federal Reserve, which is the American Central Bank, feel like this could impact global trade and risk sentiment for the worse. So people, this might slow down global trade. People might think, oh, there's, not, there's too much risk in the current global economic world. So we're not going to invest more and keep our money. That's not good for business or the economy at all. However, also people believe that China will contain this issue before it damages the banking system in China. Hence why they don't believe it will lead to broader financial contagion. This means where the financial crisis spreads outside of China. Some investors were worried initially because the CCP were likely to let the company fail. But now they've started to say that they're probably going to restructure Evergrande. And it's just a matter of when, so many people believe. So here, there you have it. So yeah, we're here suffering due to crazy cost of living crisis, but... Boy, the Chinese people, they're paying for mortgages. Well, they stop now for houses they don't own. I hope you've learned a lot today and seen how this is the downsides of capitalism where I understand why the companies did it because it's easy money, but maybe they could have at least started some form of building. But yeah, let me know what you guys think, people. And until midweek, peace and blessings. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.